Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Straight out of Austin, Texas, it's On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com, with your hosts, statesman sports columnists, Cedric Golden and Kirk Bowles. Often imitated, never duplicated. Hear it here first on Second Thought. On Second Thought, episode 217, brought to you by Hook'em.com and our really good friends at Bud Light. Drink them if you got them. I'm Cedric Golden, joined as usual by the Duck Kirk Bowles. And Duck, it's a momentous occasion in the history of our little show. History being made in Austin, Texas. The long-awaited Austin FC Soccer Club is in action Saturday at the Los Angeles Football Club at Bank of California Stadium. And we are so pleased to be joined by head coach Josh Wolf. Josh, how are you today? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me on. Man, it's good to have you on. How, How long have you lived here now? Like 10 years? 12 years. It, it just seemed like that. <laughs> yeah, it seems, it seems like it's been a little while. I've been here since about December of 2019. Um, wow. My first little bit here, I stayed in the domain for about a month and a half, which was nice. Good introduction to the city. Uh, I was downtown for a week or two here or there, but um, now I live out in Steiner ranch and it's been, um, it's been a fantastic time and getting acclimated with the city, uh, with the, with the, the, you know, certainly the culture and, and, you know, everything that the wonderful place has to offer. And uh, my kids really, really enjoy it. My wife loves it as well. So we've, you know, we've adjusted nicely. It's good weather, warmer than what we've been used to in the last um, few places that we've been. We move around a lot as, as coaches and players. So it's just part of the deal and um, really enjoying Austin. But I would say just you wait on the weather, but since you've already been here a couple of summers, you already know. Yeah. Uh, so have you got, have you been full fledged Austinized? Are you into the breakfast tacos? Oh yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Okay. Oh, <laughs> I'm a foodie at heart. Um, and I, I would look all over the internet for, for people, for blogs. We, we, you know, I, I would follow Coco, um, online as well. She's someone that does a lot in, uh, you know, in a lot of ways for the community, but, but obviously from a, from a food scene, um, I, I was able to follow my wife and I followed that one quickly. So we ventured out to many of the restaurants in, in, in her books, but you know, many of the restaurants in Austin all over the place, but the tacos, they're going to be a problem. There's a lot of good food in Austin. It's going to be a problem. <laughs> Well, I'll just say this, and this is, thank God, this is audio for the show. But uh, uh, before I, when I first moved here, me, you and I were the same size. So, uh, yeah. 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 And I can't even fit in that little square on Zoom now. So that's just how bad it is. Not complaining, Josh. Very fat and very happy. Very happy. So, um, uh, so I wanted to ask you, uh, one of the interesting things, and Mike Craven is our beat writer, and he's done some good stuff. I want the one thing, one of the things that really caught my attention is he wrote that you guys, that you were taking Spanish classes to better communicate with the Hispanic kids on your roster. How was that going? And why was that important for you 
to put that tool in your bag? Well, for a number of reasons. I mean, sadly, I've been in this league since 1998. And I think my first year I came and I said, you know what, I'm going to learn Spanish this year. And, you know, sadly, 20 something years later, um, <laughs> now that I'm a coach, knowing I was going to be a head coach and knowing the, the diversity here in Austin and, and knowing the diversity that the game of soccer provides, um, it was imperative. And it, it's, it's not to the point where I'm where I'm fluent, but but I need I knew I needed to be able to communicate with players and, and have conversation, not just about about soccer, but but also about everyday living family kids um just as we've just been talking so i did uh, as soon as covid kind of came on I, I i had already started rosetta stone and a couple things and then covid hit and i i signed in for some some virtual learning uh on lot like w- with a teacher through virtual um learning and i was doing it three days a week basically from seven to eight a.m and kind of gave me a nice little base and and, and did probably 75 to 100 classes and it's wow, really wow. You know, unfortunately, now that we've started, I, I've pulled back from doing that. But you do have more interaction with with people um, in a live setting, so you, you do you do still speak Spanish and 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 challenge and learn each day, which I, I think is important. And and we know the Latin players are also going to learn English, and that's part of bridging, um, you know, helping their adaptation to to MLS and to to the, to the city of Austin, and and we share in that, and it's it's good. I'll talk to them in Spanish, and they'll talk to me in English. It's it's a slow conversation, but but we make we make our way. We it, probably, it, it probably is a huge help during training uh, as well as during matches, I would yeah. think. Yeah, you no, be able it to is. communicate quickly, right? Exactly, and 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 the, the language of soccer is global. I mean, you you start to talk about the game. Players typically understand what you're saying by just your your intentions, your body language, um, the way that you're saying it. But you, you you learn quickly what's most important. You know, as far as getting the words out that matter the most. And and many of our staff uh, do speak Spanish, so that also helps that we're able to really um, communicate and articulate clearly to the players what it is we're saying. Well, y'all broke some news uh, this afternoon named uh, Alex Ring uh, as your club captain uh, going into this inaugural season. What what all went uh, into that decision? Why did y'all pick Alex, Josh? Yeah, I think um, I think the first thing about this club is we, we have a we have a lot of leaders. And, and I think that makes this decision um, an easy one because we could have picked a number of people. But but Alex is um, Alex is. Uh, you know, you just feel it and know it right away. He, he, he's a leader, the way he plays, the way he talks about the game, the way he carries himself in the locker room, the way the players respond to his voice and react to his actions on the field. Um, he's got a body of work that's respected and he knows that he has development still to gain. But uh, I think, you know, he demonstrates a lot in what we want with leaders. And, um, you know, I think that's, you know, setting the tone, carrying the message of, of the staff, of the, of the organization. And, um, it's, it's a tough, long stretch and, and you need guys that have been through those wars. And, and I mentioned, we have a lot of leaders uh, Again, Matt Beasler is another one. Hector Jimenez is another one. Cecilia Dominguez has a ton of respect and, and, and credibility with the group already in a short, in a short time as well. So it's not one guy it's, you know, it's going to be by the, by the group, it's going to be collective and, and, um, we can only really name one captain. And, and again, he's, he's, he's an easy, logical co- choice, but, but more importantly, he's, it's much deserved. And, um, you know, I think he reflects a lot of what we want to be about. And, and that's why that, that decision was made. I wanted to ask you about goalkeeper. I know Andrew Tarbell, uh, is a veteran. He played with the, uh, San Jose earthquakes for, uh, four years and then, then won it all with the Columbus crew. Uh, last year, uh, is he going to be your starter? Because last already, we, that was up in the air. Yeah, I think it's still in the air. You know, I think 
with Andrew and Brad, it's obviously the week's coming to a close and we'll start to pinpoint who, who we feel is, is going to give us the best opportunity going into this first game. But um, there's competition all around the field, which I think is imperative to, to growing the group and, and certainly setting a good tone as to what we want to do in training every day and how we want to perform on weekends. Um, and, and I expect both those goalies, Brad Stuber and Andrew Tarbell, to play games this year. So um, who starts the first week doesn't necessarily mean who's the starter for the whole year. Uh, those guys are going to have to compete and earn it. And it's, it's going to be about performances. It's, it's going to be about the direction of the club. But um, those things will be determined in, in the coming days. But um, I think both players have a good amount of experience in the league. Both players are in a position where, where they probably need to be starters at this point in their career on a consistent level. And that's what they're fighting for. And, um, you know, we're, we're trying to help them and nurture them as best we can develop still their soccer qualities, but also their leadership qualities. And, um, you know, they're both great human beings and, and very good goalkeepers. So we look forward to that battle. Well, the good folks at the MLS office, the, uh, let you open up with a real softy yeah. Uh, yeah. Right, out the, right out of the bat. I mean, the layup. Uh, nice little layup. It, you got to appreciate that. So, so they just kind of test you right off the outset with LAFC, Carlos Vela. What's the idea there? Yeah, it's, um, it's, there are no easy games in MLS, and, and LAFC is one of the best teams in the league. They have been the last three years. Um, they have an unbelievably talented attacking group and, and a very hardworking midfield and, and group behind that. So we'll have our hands full. And it's, um, you know, we're, we're six weeks into our existence right now. And there has been progress. There still needs to be a lot more progress, but um, we're also realistic with, with what this, what this is going to look like. We're, we're going to go out to LAFC with a game plan prepared and, and look to compete and, and plain and simple. We're, we're on the road the first seven games. We know these are going to be challenging environments. We know these teams are good and they have, and they have high level players. So we're going to have to match that with a, with the intensity and, and certainly um, a, a preparation, but, but also, you know, we, we we got to find ways to get results. You know, it's seven games. We got to find our moments to, to push the opponent as well and, and, and grab goals, but also prevent the opponent from doing things that they want to do. So great challenges lie ahead. And, and we're going to learn a lot about ourselves, our, our team. And, and for me as a coach as well, we, we, we've got to continue to push and grow and, and keep learning. And, the, and they've had the scoring leader last two years in a row. And Carlos, yeah. what, what are you going to put six guys on Carlos and uh, he's wing it? He, he's that's what good players are. They find ways to influence the game. He can stay out wide. He can come inside. Um, he could be a forward and, and central, but uh, good players find the game quickly. And, and what you know about good players is they, they make other players uh, better. And that's exactly what he does. He's a, a very clever player, great goal scorer and uh, brings a lot of personality to that group. And, um, you know, he's, he's one of many that we got to be mindful of. So. You mentioned uh, the, the seven straight road matches to start the season uh, before you guys open up that spranking brand new QT stadium on June 19th against San Jose. Uh, what kind of mental strain is that going to put on your guys? I mean, uh, I know they're going to be coming back home and sleeping in their, sure. sleeping in their beds, but uh, that's a lot of booze to start the season out. And so yeah. soccer fans are not a quiet bunch. No, you're right. And it, it'll be challenging. Obviously, um, we'll see what capacity is like in, in every stadium. So we may benefit from some of that where uh, some stadiums not, might not be able to be full capacity. So that may play into our favor in some moments. But you still are having to travel and some days traveling the day of. Um, so it, it's going to be difficult going on the road in our league is, has always been difficult. It's, it's often talked about and 
Um, but at the end of the day, you got to find ways to, to, to put points on the board, to get results on the road. And um, as you mentioned, seven in a row before we come home uh, is, is difficult. But we, we know our, our stadium, Q2 Stadium, is going to be um, ready to go come June. And, and uh, we're going to try to put ourselves in as good a position and keep progressing. The biggest part is that we keep progressing our style of play and our identity in and, and both offensive and defensive ways. And, um, you know, again, those things aren't complete by any stretch of the imagination, but um, we'll, we'll go in each week trying to get better and, and, and have a game plan that's going to hopefully set us up for a good result. Well, your offense has started out gangbusters. You have, what, just for 10 goals against your interstate competition there. So how encouraged are you by that? You know, just yeah, think, yeah. I, I think it is encouraging. I think, you know, I've, within that, there's, there's still plenty of room to grow. Um, and, and we played a, a number of very different opponents. Um, from MLS as well as from from USL, our, a lower league in our in, in the United States. But uh, you like that guys that, that we had a, you know multiple amounts of guys scoring goals, and we scored in a variety of ways. So I think from that standpoint, it, it's it's nice. It's it, it obviously sets us up well going into the season. But I'm also very realistic. We're going to go against much much more challenging opponents throughout um, the start of the season and going on the road, which becomes even more challenging. So. Um, we, we've got to be, you know, obviously very clear with, with how we expect to score goals and how we have to treat games and approach games. Um, and, and again, games uh, hinge on goals and, and they change the direction of the game real quickly. So uh, when you're scoring goals, you have a different feeling than when you're giving up goals. So we got to be mindful of that emotion and be prepared to, to grind and dig when the, when the time is there. And that's, I think, one of the biggest things when we played Dallas, we went down 2-0 and our guys just stuck to it and they stuck to the program and the way we were, we were performing and, and we're able to nick three goals real quick in the second half. So there's been a lot of good moments in preseason. And, um, you know, for us, we're, we're, we're optimistic about what that means for the regular season, but we also know the regular season is very different in the preseason. And can you talk about your two uh, designated players that you got, uh, Cecilio Dominguez and, and, and Tomas? Uh, what are they bringing what, to the club, do you think? Yeah, I think um, they bring they bring very good attacking quality. I think what we've seen both is as Cecilio in particular has gotten much fitter. He's been here a bit longer than Tomas, so physically he's probably in a little bit better place because he's been with us now for about two, two and a half, three months, and uh, that's a credit to him and, and Johan and, and Rodney that were able to to get here from from Paraguay from Guarani um, as quickly as they could and, and got onboarded with, uh, with our high performance team and got fit. And as Cecilia has gotten fitter, he's scored goals. He's been much more dangerous in the final third. And, um, he plays with a ton of personality. He has a ton of personality. So in the locker room, really jovial, well-liked and, um, has, has a natural charisma. Mm -hmm. And I think Tomas, again, is a player that came in later in preseason, but, but also has, you know, a, a different type of offensive quality, his set pieces, obviously he has two goals from direct uh, free kicks, which again, shows his quality in and around goal. Um, but he moves around the field in a different way, finds different spaces to affect the opponent, um, but has a real calm and, and certainly confidence about the way that he plays. So we're learning more about um, Tomas, uh, the more we, we train with him and, and, and play with him. And he's learning more about us and the structure that we want to play in. So, we're going to marry those two, two things. It's going to take time, but, um, you know, we're certainly pleased with, with some of the things that he's done. And, and we know that we need to keep working with both players to maximize their quality and potential within what we're trying to do. Uh, Josh, I know it's your first head coaching job. Um, uh, I know at age 44, compared to us, you're, you're walking around in pampers. But um, 
Do your players know uh, the Josh Wolf story? Do they know about the two goals in the 2000 Summer Olympics, the, the assist in the 2000 World Cup upset of Mexico? Do they know about any of that? Do you ever have to tell them to check YouTube uh, for the receipts? That's the last thing I'm, that's the last thing I'm telling these guys to do. I don't want them to look at me playing and, and, and even begin to open that Pandora's box of what they may say or see. Um, you know, I think, um, you know, I was a player, I played at a, at a good level. I've accomplished some things. I was on some very good teams and I, and I played for some very influential coaches and I benefited greatly from, from that and from those experiences and those environments. And, and that again is what I'm, what I'm most focused on here is, is, is creating a culture and environment with our players and our staff. That's about a certain way that we come to work. It's about a, a certain way that we want to play. And, um, you know, I think being honest with players and, and demonstrating that every day is really important and, and, and really de- detailing and specifying what it is our expectations are as a group, but, but also individually to help these guys develop their 20, 25, 30, 35. I, I say to them, it doesn't matter how old you are. You're still, you're still in a position to learn and develop. And, and I felt that way to the day I retired. And now I'm a coach and it's the same thing. I got loads to learn. Um, I think I have a good amount to offer, but you know, I got people around me that are going to challenge me hopefully. And um, you know, we're going to learn a lot about ourselves as a team, but, but certainly as a staff as well. But um, I keep the YouTube things away from, you know, away from the guys as much as I can. I, I, you know, I had a couple good moments as a player. That's, that's about all I can say. <laughs> Uh, and you go up against Bob Bradley with LA, you know, so I don't yeah. know. Are you going to teach him a few tricks? Uh, I'm, I'm not going to dip into those waters, but I have loads of respect for Bob Bradley. He was my first coach in Chicago. And again, the amount of people that are still in this game that were part of that team uh, in 98, that we won both championships as an expansion team uh, is incredible. His, the coaching tree, whether they're coaches or technical directors or involved in the game at a high level, um, is stunning and, and that, that we're part of that team and still in, in, in those types of places within MLS or, or soccer around the world. Um, it, it's really is, it really is stunning, but it's a reflection of him as a leader and the environment that he built. And, um, you know, that's, that, those things are easily talked about, but it's when you're in those worlds, you, you start to really understand what that means and the level of respect and, you know, intimacy that you have as a group with a coach, with your friends and how familial it becomes. And those are why the memories are so strong. And, and I think that's, you know, something that I think about around here quite often. So, so you haven't told them about your days with the fire winning as an expansion team, or, or are you saving that for the pregame pep talk? I don't think I'm going to put that one in there either, just because it's, we don't want to set expectations. We don't want to create some some difficult expectations. One game at a time, one game at a time is what I say. And there's going to be ebbs and flows this year. So we we keep them focused on, uh, you know, certainly the short term and and, and we keep an eye on the long term as coaches. We we want the big grandiose expectation, right? Well, there's just something to be said for telling them that, Hey, it's been done before. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. and I and I was there when it was done. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I, I mean, I would say it to him in Spanish. I mean, in yeah. slower, simpler <laughs> terms, so they so they understand that hey, I won big as an expansion team. Hey, was this always the goal for you to be a a head coach um, when you were playing? Um, you know, and then, and then when it starts to set in that. You know, I'm not bouncing back like I used to. The legs aren't there. What am I going to do next? Was it always going to be a coach? 
Um, I don't think so. I think, um, again, I think I looked at the game and viewed the game differently than, than others. I was an attacker. So, but like you said, uh, you come in young and you, you provide some, some, you know, like for, for me that the qualities that I had and what I was able to achieve as an individual, but again, it still has to, a lot to do with the, the environment and the teams that I played with, because it wouldn't happen if I wasn't in those places, but um, it's a great deal of learning. It's a great deal of persevering as a player, you overcome challenges and injuries. And I think those things started to, 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 to make me more conscious of who I was as a player and the, the things that I had as far as speed and dy- dynamic and those things are eventually going to fade. And you, you know, as you got older, you knew that, you know, there's a finality, there's an expiration date, so to speak, as to, as to what the career starts to look like. So I went to Germany and um, after my second world cup and for, I wanted a new experience and a different challenge and, and uh, was fortunate to, to land in, in, you know, 1860 Munich. And I played with Greg Berhalter there and um, my mind started changing. Then the game was taught a different way. There was more detail to it. Uh, The approach was, was more clear to me, not that it wasn't in in my upbringing with, with coaches like Bob Bradley and Bob Gansler and and Bruce Arena, but um, it just piqued my interest more. So when I returned from Germany, I immediately started getting my coaching badges. And um, as I finished my career, I I felt like that was, that was direction that I wanted to go. And um, was with Ben Olsen in DC for a year and then joined Greg in, in Columbus. And I think once I was with Greg, the, the idea of what coaching is and will continue to be was very clear to me, much different than I ever expected. And, um, you know, that's, that's where a lot of my growth and, and understanding of the game started to really take place. When you were a player, you didn't keep journals, did you? Like, you know, when I'm a coach, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do yeah. that. No, I didn't. I wish I would have. I wish you could keep down some of your best ideas, best practices, best, you know, best effects from, from coaches meetings. And, and I tell my kids that now, and you know, I have a son that plays professionally in Atlanta. I have one of my sons that's training with us out here every day. And, you know, I talk to him about those things, you know, write some stuff down, keep, keep an idea of, of things that are, are, um, you know, most impactful, whether it's something the coach said, whether it was the way sessions were run, um, anything because it is, it, it, it goes by in a quick and I look back, it goes by in a flash. And I, and when I look back at the end of my career, I wish I would have had some of that in place just to, to help guide some, some thought and some internal discussion. Mm-hmm. I was, uh, I know you got designated players. You don't have a designated flopper. I guess they call them divers in uh, soccer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> They'll arise every now and then. I'm sure some of our guys will be accused of that from time to time, um, <laughs> but you don't, you don't want to be labeled as that. I'm sure I fell down a few times in a very soft manner. Um, usually with <laughs> you try to, you, you try to allow or, or hope for some contact before you go to ground. But um, <laughs> yeah, there's a little bit of a game behind that, but there are rules now there are you know, fines, there are suspensions. So, so guys, and you have to be very mindful of it. There's always an eye in the sky right now. And if you do something <laughs> silly like that, you get yeah. caught, you get suspended or fined for it. So how much would they more. find a guy for, for diving? How much would they find? I'm not sure. It's, it's also like a cumulative. If, you, if it happens over and over, the, the fine continues to build. So, but you can also get suspended for a game. So it is, it's called embellishment and you know, it's, there's, huh. there's a lot of things to try to correct some of those problems within the game. But you don't coach that, right? Nobody coaches. You don't coach that, but players have a good understanding of, you know, situations that make, put put referees in difficult positions. Soccer gets a bad rap for this. I watch it in basketball. I watch all it the time. All, all the time. It's the same deal. It's the same yeah. deal. And, um, yeah. you know, you want to put, you want to put officials in a, in a difficult spot. And the way I always made myself feel good about it was like, 
if I felt like I had the advantage and there was just a breath of wind that took away my advantage, well, I felt like something, I felt like it was compromised. And, um, you know, sometimes I would go down a little easy. I, I you know, unfortunately <laughs> I say that, but I tell you, that, that's something to say. That's one of the parts of the game. I'm just so eager to kind of learn and, and to, yeah. to get engrossed in. I was giving Josh a hard time about the clock that goes up, not yeah. down like all of our sports. Yeah. And so he was schooling me on stuff like that. So yeah. it is a different sport. You know what? And um, I, I, I don't mind that part. Um, now when I'm exercising, which is like when, Hale, you know, when Hallie's comment comes through about mm-hmm. that same. Yeah. You know, years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I need that clock to go backwards towards yeah. zero, <laughs> not up because I feel like I'm climbing a hill and yeah. I'm just never going to get there. But yeah. I, I understand that part of it though. Yeah. 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 That's the way. Oh, go ahead. Doug. Go ahead. No, you're good. Dude. I was going to ask you about Daniel prayer. You mentioned him on the podcast uh, earlier in the week about how, you know, he's a raw talent out of Virginia Tech, a lot of energy and, you know, finding him minutes. And uh, what's his learning curve like and how much playing time do you envision for him this season, Josh? Um, yeah, I think for college players, it's, it's always interesting to, you know, again, what we're, what, you know, we're the experts of sorts, you know, we're coaches. So what we're looking for is, is transferability from, from college to professional. And that means physically where are they at, mentally where are they at, and then technically with the game, how quick can they deal with it? And, you know, I think that's what we saw in, in, in Danny, uh, you know, that stood out to us watching him um, in college. And, and obviously he was our first pick and the first overall pick to the draft. Uh, his development is going to hinge on his ability to, to again, um, ch- you know, challenge himself every day. He's not the best player where he was in Virginia Tech. Um, he's, he's not the most athletic player on the field, which he probably was, you know, one of them in, in Virginia tech. So now there's an accountability to, to show up every day and be a professional in the way that you train, the way that you prepare, the way that you eat, the way that you take care of your body. Um, and then when you're out on that field every day, uh, the details that go into it, the, the importance of every little touch, every little movement. Um, whereas again, in an, in an other environment where you're the best player, you, you can take moments off here. You can, and that's, that's the importance that we want to push with Danny. He has loads of potential, has great physical capacity to play this game, is a very, very soft, delicate, um, technical player, but also has a, a great capacity to cover ground and compete. And then it's just for us, you know, finding how he can best influence the game and have an impact within our game model. But he'll play minutes for us. And, and you know, the challenge for a lot of college players is, is staying with it over the course of a 10-month season because they're used to a three- or four-month sprint of sorts getting their break and then coming in for a spring season. So that's always been a challenge for the college kids. So we have a real strong high performance team. We think we have um, great direction on that and we're going to challenge them on the field and off the field. And, um, you know, we obviously know he's, he's, he's going to have his highs and lows and, and how he manages those as, a, as an individual also dictate how much he plays as well, but he, he's a good talent. He's going to play minutes for us without a doubt. Well, Josh, uh, with our with our guest, and this is the first of what we hope will be many visits for you on our podcast. We we ended with putting them through a little bit of a ringer. We call nice. it the hot corner, which is <laughs> it's going to be about three or four questions, and it's not about soccer. It's going to be about other stuff. And did you just tell us the top, off the top of the dome? All right, your answer. So my first question is this. 
if Josh and his lovely wife are hosting movie night at the Wolf's, and it's going to be three movies that you're in charge of showing your buddies, your friends, what three movies would you show? Mm. Coming to America would definitely be in there. I the grew first up with one. The first one. Yes. Yeah. I grew up with Eddie Murphy and just about everything he did. Which Kirk, I hates, was, Kirk hated that movie, by the way. And I love yeah. him. Coming to America. Um, yeah, I love Shawshank. Again, it's Ooh, a, excellent. Okay, your family now. Your family now. That's my favorite movie of yeah. all time. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit into my humorous side, but also that emotional, you know, you, you know, a sentimental side and, um, you know, then, and silly humor. I mean, not that coming to America is not silly humor. Um, <laughs> yeah, my son my, works. I'm, I'm fond of, you know, it's what else could I put in there without, without, without pigeonholing myself here too much. <laughs> Uh, well, you you I, hit a home run with me. I like just about any. I like just about any of the the, the Born Supremacy, you know, the, the Born series. Oh, nice! I, mean, I like nice. little action shows. No, I like the first one. Love those. Yeah. Okay, I got a question for you. If you were never a soccer player, never became a soccer coach, what would Josh Wolf be doing now? What kind of profession? I'd be a pro golfer. No way! Wow! I'd be a pro golfer. Good handicap. I was, and now I now I can't beat my kids. It's really frustrating and humbling. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'd pound them into the grounds with not even an ounce of, so, you know, sorrow. And now when they beat me, it's just the same reaction. But yeah, that, that's maybe being ambitious, but I really enjoyed golf. And, and again, I think there's a mentality to it, a focus to it, an individual aspect to it. But um, I love golf. I grew up playing a lot of golf and I almost played golf in high school rather than soccer and they wouldn't let me do it. So I, I kept wow. kicking the little all around. Did you get a, you have a favorite golfer you followed? Um, well, I mean, I grew up with Tiger Woods and you know, that, that to me is, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's the best ever. And, um, Jack Nicholas, you know, Jack Nicholas, my grandmother worked for Jack Nicholas for 30 years. So that was my introduction to golf. Oh, and, wow. um, you know, I, I grew up probably my first golfer that I really liked was Fred couples, just elegant, smooth. Yep. Um, and then Tiger came in and, just took took everything back. Awesome. All right, here's here's one. I'm not trying to get you in trouble, but we all we always ask this one. Who's yeah. your celebrity crush? Celebrity crush. <laughs> celebrity crush. Jessica Alba. Oh, honey, honey, great Jessica movie. Jessica Alba. Yes. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Eva Mendez. Can I keep going? Eva Mendez. Yeah, you can keep going. Oh, oh yeah, Eva Mendez. <laughs> Tra training that scene in Training Day is uh, yes, that's screensaver. Holly Berry. You know, I, there's. Good lord. Yes, there, he's, there he's, are many. There are many. He's he's, he's checking out my hall pass list. He's speaking to us, Ed. He's speaking to us. So, uh, all right, give us something about Josh Wolf that no, I wouldn't say nobody knows, and very few know, like a a hidden talent besides the golf or hobby or just something about you people don't know? Um, that people don't know. Um, no, that's a good question. I mean, I have kids. I have brothers. I mean, that's not hard to figure out. Are you a ventriloquist? Um, you great at poker. Is there some hidden uh, quality? Well, I, I, I played a lot of poker. I mean, 
again, some of our stories that I've read recently about Olympics, just because our Olympic team didn't qualify. I mean, I played a lot of poker growing up. I mean, one of our coaches I, I played with in, in Kansas City, we, when poker Hold'em came up, we were, we were all taken aback, but casinos, gambling. Once I had kids, I was like, well, that's you know, going to be challenging to, to, to explain some wins and losses. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed gambling and, and, and poker in a, in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, I guess that's something that people didn't, didn't know about me, but it's a small one, but man. Cedric has a weekly poker game, so I'm sure he's going to invite you soon. I'm sure. Nice. Nice. He's not going to come over here and clean me out. I work at a newspaper. (laughs) Come on. Here's my last one, Josh. If you were trapped on a deserted island for, for a weekend, what three items, besides the essentials, of course, the water and all of that, what three items would you have to have with you on that island? You mean besides like a phone? <laughs> that's one. Yeah. That's, besides, an that's an essential. We know that. But what what else? What else would you want um, on that island? Um, yeah, essentials being like my wife. She's okay. kind of an essential. That's good. That's a good one. Up? Well, I'm, you glad think said, I'm glad you said your wife and not Jessica Alba because I saw Deep Blue. Yeah. You're pretty good at a bathing suit, but go ahead. Another good, that was another good show. Yes, another yes, good. sir. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, essentials. Um, man. Doesn't have to be something you need, something you'd want, you know, because you got to spend a weekend. Yeah, you got to spend a week there. Yeah. A weekend. Yeah. Books. A weekend on there. Yeah, I take any good coaching books. I like reading, uh, you know, some of the, the, you know, whether it's soccer or just high level coaches, thought, leadership, um, discipline, detail that goes into building a team, but also growing as a coach. Those things are good. I have a, a, a bevy of books now that I've that I've looked at and, and read. Um, a good book would be good, especially for a couple of days. Um, if you're on a deserted island, the phone would be great. I think you would have loved Doggy Garrido. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you would have loved. Yeah, we we really liked Doggy. I think you would have dug hanging out with him. Yeah, he was cool. Um, man, it's terrible. I'm like a thoughtless person when it comes to this. If I take his golf clubs, Sid. Yeah, the sandwich. You're on the beach. You're on the sandwich. (laughs) A bag of balls in my sandwich. I could definitely work. If there's kryptonite for me on a course, it is the sand. My kids are amazed at how bad I'm out of the bunkers. But yeah, a a golf wedge wedge and some couple balls would be good. That's cool. Clean that act up real quick. Okay. My last two, just real quick. Uh, Do you have a nickname? They just call me Wolfie. A lot of people I grew up last name Wolf. My kids. Somehow I got muted there. Sorry. Yeah. What was that? Your kids? What? Wolfie. Well, last name being Wolf, everybody always just called me Wolfie. And um, it's kind of the same for my children now. That's how everyone refers to them. But that was just a quick nickname. But that's more based around my own name. Yeah. And last part, a friend of mine, Ben Ben Olson would call me Fatty. And uh, he was the head coach. (laughs) I was the guy that would always, you know, I'd have to sample a little dessert here or there pretty much at every meal. Um, so he'd always, he'd always give me a jab and call me fatty, but nice. I appreciate that. I, I like my sweets. Yeah, me too. And your last, my last one is like your favorite vacation spot, favorite getaway, you and your wife or family or where, where would you, where do you love to go? 
Um, where do we love to go? I mean, we end up at a lot of beaches when we, when we take vacations. So beaches with golf, um, yeah, we, we, yeah, we, my wife and I, you know, Hawaii was an amazing, we've been to Hawaii. It was amazing. Um, you know, I think, you know, the coast, you know, along the coastline in Carolina, the Carolinas, we've spent time there. So uh, I'd say anything like that, the East coast beaches, Southeast beaches, and, and, and obviously, um, Hawaii is remarkable. Just a great experience. Yeah. It'll be a little while before you get to the beach. Uh, I'm guessing. Yeah, so, uh, I think so. But, I think you're right. A lot so of work. We have we appreciate the time, Wolfie, and uh, hope we'll uh, be visiting often. And we can't wait to see you guys in action on Saturday night in L.A. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Cedric and Kirk. Really appreciate it. Cool. Austin okay. FC making history on Saturday against LAFC, Bank of California Stadium. The game will be televised nationally on Fox. Pre-game coverage will start at 4 o'clock, and the first kick is set for 5 and also a little note locally, the CW Austin, KXAN, and KVBO will broadcast 23 of Austin FC's 34 matches for people in our area. Josh, it's been a pleasure. We will do it again real soon, my friend. Thanks for joining us. Great. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a good one. Good luck. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. On Second Thought. True crime lovers are always looking for new and engaging content. The Already Gone podcast covers stories from Michigan and the Great Lakes region. Cases you haven't heard before, like the Mayo Hunters or the murder of 16-year-old Justin Mello, plus better-known cases like the death of Jane Bashara and Illinois' own Lori Dan. Already Gone started in 2016, so there is a big back catalog for you to enjoy. Find Already Gone on Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, or your favorite podcatcher. Duck, how fun was Wolfie? I like Wolfie. He uh, he's very refreshing, and uh, I like I like his approach. He's a good soundbite for us. He's an easy talker, and uh, I think he's going to be good. So it's going to be interesting that you, know, you got an expansion team and a first year head coach. So interesting combination. New coaches abounding all over the five one two duck one Christopher Beard. Everywhere you look, there's a new Breaking coach. a little bit of news on that UT Hoops beat. Andrew Jones and Jace Febris will be back next season. That's good news. Now, we know that Donovan Williams and um, Royce Ham III are both headed to the running Rebels, who aren't running like they used to run when Larry Johnson and Anderson Hunt and Greg Anthony were in, were in the mix. But, hey, UNLV is UNLV. And we know that Kamaka Hepa – a.k.a. the best hype man in college basketball, did stick his name in the portal. So, um, also, some transfers coming in. 6'3 guard from uh, Kentucky by the name of Devin Askew coming in here. And 6'6", Tim Allen, a small forward from Utah. So, the roster's taking shape. Interesting enough, no Texas Tech guys. And it's about time it took shape. <laughs> he went from a roster of like two with uh, Brock Cunningham and I guess Jace Febris when he announced he's coming back to. He's got six now, I guess, uh, assured right now. So, but but yeah, get, think, that's big to get Andrew back. That's a big one. It is. And, you know, to get uh, uh, Jalen Tyson, the four star kid who was a top 50, you know, the Texas Tech sign, he, 
you know, that's big. And this Askew kid, he was a point guard. And there's some conflicting reports that, oh, Kentucky really didn't want him to come back. And, you know, he did start 20 games this year, but he only averaged about six points a game. For and, for a real for a for a bad Kentucky team, yeah, they weren't good. So you know, jury's still out on that one. But uh, I think, uh, like I said, the Tyson kid is really good. I think the uh, fact that you know he's like a number four in the state, he's going to help. And and Tim Allen was he was all Pac twelve. I know they. I think they put ten on their first team. But Pac twelve volleyball team. I mean, come on, why are they front loading it? Well, I don't know why either. Remember George Brazil, our our, our uh, legend, he used to put like twenty all syntax quarterbacks on there. So, uh, God rest his soul, we love him. Uh, but the Pac-12 was good this year. At least we found out in March, didn't we? Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Thir- and he, thirteen and thirteen and five in March Madness. Who saw that coming? He's you know he's a six six guy. I think he's from Arizona. I think Ashley from. California originally, so I don't know if he had any ties with with Beard or not. But but Tim Allen, you know, plays a three or four, supposed to be a real smart player, average seventeen a game for Utah and, and six and a half rebounds. He was their leading rebounder. What class is he, Doug? Do you know? Uh, I don't I think do he's not. a senior, is he? I do not. But I, you know, they can ask you. I have four years. I think he is a senior. I think he is uh, because I think he's been there at least three years, but you mm-hmm. never know anymore with the COVID thing. But, uh, but yeah, both those are big pickups. And, and the, and the signee, he, he lured away from tech, you know, the good players. And I don't know, were you surprised Andrew Jones decided to come back? No, I, I really wasn't. I really thought that he would come back. Uh, this was his chance. Uh, Timmy Allen was a junior duck. Um, that's no exciting. Good. Cause if, if, if if Tim Allen comes back for his senior year, mm-hmm. somewhere somewhere in my column, I'm going to have a Tim Allen uh, retro with that new with that new arena, and we'll be like the Longhorns practicing a little home improvement with Tim Allen. I mean, I, I had to put that out there. Um, as far as Andrew's concerned, uh, I'm glad he came back. Uh, I don't. You know, because I really believe that Andrew, as well as he played at point at times last year, I think he got tired down the stretch. Um, it showed in his shots. His shots started to be shorter to the rim, and that's a sure sign of fatigue. And I know he can still – I know he's still not back to the physical specimen that he was, you know, when he first came in here. He's still operating probably 10 or 15 pounds lighter than he was. So I still think he could still add a little bit more muscle, um, get a little bit more physical and, um, and, and, and work on his endurance because, you know, where the, for this guy came from was, you know, he came from oblivion uh, oh, to be just glad to be back playing. And then all of a sudden uh, he's making some of the biggest shots in program history. And so, uh, you know, the, the big jumper at West Virginia, for, for instance. So, uh, it's exciting to see him back for one more year. We still don't know about Courtney Ramey. Um, it would be great if they could get Courtney Ramey back because Courtney Ramey is the one guy we know him. That's a red roster duck who does ask to guard the, the other team's best perimeter player. He wanted Kate Cunningham. He wants to guard guys like those. And he is a junkyard dog. And every team needs a starter who's a junkyard dog. 
He's not the biggest junkyard dog on this roster. That is Mr. Cunningham, but, mm-hmm. but Andrew, well, I mean, but Courtney Ramey, I think is, is um, not only a valuable asset on the defensive end. He's also their best three point shooter, 41%. Yeah, he was, and that's and I did think Andrew wore down the season end. I mean, he finished up with only thirty three percent accuracy from three, which is not what you want out of your supposed best score. He's but, a he's a, but he's a he's their best scorer, not their best shooter. He is their best True. scorer, but you ought to shoot better than thirty three percent if if you're their best uh, scorer. Uh, and he's not a great defensive player, so that's going to be interesting. Is that? You know, Chris Beard is all about the defense. Let, you know, let's get that straight. And he's going to play strong defense at the uh, risk of losing some points on the offensive end. So you hope nothing interferes with Andrews. It's such a great story. You and I both know that. You just chronicled it coming back from leukemia, you know, to star on this basketball team this year. So, but if you don't play defense, Chris Beard's not going to play play you. You're going to be sitting by Chris Beard. And we we saw when Courtney Ramey got in A.J.'s face, and that wasn't the first time that, you know, A.J.'s had some lapses on defense, if you will, or lack of commitment on that end. So that's going to be real interesting to watch. Uh, the other thing is that I think Askew, it gives him a point guard, okay? He's had to have a point guard because we know A.J. is a shooting guard. And so, you know, that kind of fills that immediate need. And we both think there are going to be a whole lot more transfers before this thing's over. And Texas fans are better to get used to that because it's going to be transfer you here, uh, I think, for the immediate future. It's like Carvana. I mean, yeah. it's a 1,000 players in that portal, and all you got to do is yeah. – is point and click and you might get yourself, yeah. yourself a key piece. So, and we know that Chris Beard is adept at filling holes on his roster and finding the right type of chemistry to make it all work. Uh, he did more, more with less at Texas tech. I think, I think um, now that he's in Austin, uh, the money behind him, the resources, the new facilities that are coming up, I think he's going to be able to, also venture into that into that five star area uh, because people still like living in Austin and they, this city when when they recruit they don't they don't recruit these guys and just stick them in a room somewhere they send them out to the city they send them out to Lake Travis they send them they 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 show them what what beautiful uh, scenery there is in Austin and I'm not just talking about landmarks duck. Austin's a nice place for a 20, 19, 20 year old kid. And I think Chris Beer is going to take advantage of that. And uh, you're going to, you're going to continue to see them get really good players. And he's going to add those transfers that you spoke of. And you throw in that arena, you got a, Two hundred sixty million or three hundred million dollar three thirty eight, sir. Yeah, thirty eight. Yeah, it cost a, a big penny. So uh, you add that to the mix, the excitement level that that Chris Beard is going to bring, and we we need to keep an eye on Jericho Sims. I keep hearing that he's strongly considering coming back. Uh, you that know, maybe, would be nuts if oh, if Jericho Sims comes back. Wow! That watch out! Be watch out! Watch yeah. out! He's got some pieces. And if they're, te- if they're telling him he's not going to get drafted, 
And maybe, you know, if, oh, here's my thing, Doug. And, and it's easy for us to say this because I'm not 6'9", 240-pound jumping jack like Jericho Sims. I'm not that guy. But if I'm at Texas and I've had four years and, I'm, and I don't know if Jericho's graduated yet or not, but I'm close to graduation and I can come back and get a degree. Mm-hmm or work on my start on my masters uh, and I'm not going to get drafted and I get to play for Chris Beard. I do it. I just would. That doesn't suck. You know, here's the thing too, is that he's not an offensive player. You know, he's a rim protector. He can guard any position on the floor. He has upside on offense though. We saw a couple of moves like, wow. And that's why I wonder if he improves his handle you know, hit some more of those mid-range shots. And How about start taking them? Well, and they've got to improve now during the offseason. But that could be just a hell of a pickup uh, for Chris Beard. I'm not saying that's going to be the equivalent of Ricky Williams. Well, I bet Beard's not working great. that angle. Beard's like, man, you got to come back. Man. Come back and play with us. You know, yeah. He, that's he's, the best, a, he's, the be, he's the best athlete. He, he is yeah. arguably the best athlete in the Big 12. And and oh, yeah. Jones was a great athlete as well, right. as was Greg Brown, who we haven't even mentioned. I mean, Greg yeah. Brown, I think, is going to take the money, but I think he will too. Here's the thing: is what does Chris Beard tell Greg Brown after what he's seen, either with his own eyes or on tape? What does he tell Greg Brown? How bad would he, he wants, like that? If he want, if he wants him, what does I he tell him? Yeah, I I could get you to the lottery. I, I can get you, I can get you into that top that top. How, coach, how, how are you going to get me there, coach? Trending in the twenty, the late twenties and early second round right now. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, so I can get you moved up. I can get you more money. Well, he doesn't. He doesn't have a great basketball IQ. The game doesn't come to him naturally. He's a great athlete playing basketball. He's a great athlete. Not a good basketball player right now, but mm-hmm. he's an exceptional athlete and. Like I've always said, athleticism and basketball go hand in hand. Uh, just like tennis, Duck, you don't have to be – you aren't a great tennis player, but you're a pretty good athlete, so you could scoot around that court and get balls back. Mm-hmm. Greg Brown at 6'9", with that wingspan and with that jumping ability, I mean, he, he, he was getting seven or eight rebounds because he's a great athlete. And, and, and blocking shots, I mean, I mean, he's a good basketball player – uh, in several areas without knowing the game yet. Yeah. And, and I think that um, I think he'll probably take the money. I don't blame him. It's a, I mean, you're still, you're still going to be a millionaire if you get drafted right. in the first round. So uh, I don't blame him there, but I, I'd love to see him back. And just to see what would happen in his second year, I, I do believe if he came back and played a year under beard that he would improve his draft status. Oh, I agree. But that's, yeah. the, but that's the fine line. Do you you come back for draft status or do you leave and take the right now money? Well, he needs reps and he needs discipline in his game. He's got to learn. You don't have to take every shot that you get when you when the ball comes to you. And and you got to learn how to play better without the ball. You know, be that team guy. And the, he comes across as a me guy. You know, it's like I'm going to get mine, you know, and I'm going to put it up and just – you know, just, you know, we had a lot of instances, you know, glowering at 
a player after dunking him and and uh oh there was the other missing, time. missing the between the legs dunk. Yeah. Big twelve exactly. Yeah, remember that was when what Courtney Ramey said, No, leave him in, leave him in, you know, but then he had the meltdown uh late in the season. And, I, I really think these guys embraced him. And I you know, and I'd heard, I've heard stories that there were some dust ups in the locker room. Sure. Uh, he's a, he's an alpha dog, and he's used to being the best player. And uh, he was a freshman on the team, and I I think that he had some learning. You know, he had some growing pains. Uh, I I wished it had worked out for him better his freshman year because I really think I really think that he's going to have an NBA career. He's going to have to learn how to shoot. He's going to have to learn how to play the game. But w- with the sheer volume of talent, just the sheer skill set. Talent-wise, the, the freakish athleticism, guys like him usually make it uh, because mm-hmm. especially if they, they, they end up with a team that's going to not ask him to do too much too soon. Uh, I could see him spending some time in the G League. I can because sure. there, there are some deficiencies that he's got to look at. Chris Beard's got, I don't know, what has he got, six players on his roster now, and, you know, he's got room – to take more and he will take more, but the quality to get and got a couple guys, top 40 in the nation recruits, you know, one, uh, both of them, but well, not transfer because, uh, 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 Tyson never was really at Texas tech. So, and that's the thing about basketball that, you know, you don't have to have 13 guys. Nobody plays their entire roster. And, and the key is red shirting. I wrote this weekend, my nine things, Albeda redshirted eight of their 13 players. That, that sat for a year at Waco, and that's how you get old and stay old. And that's what I think uh, uh, Chris Beard worships at that same altar, I think. But, you know, he may not have that. He won't have that luxury in year one in Austin. But if you've got eight quality guys, that's enough. Because I don't know, how many, play, how many coaches do you know that play a roster that play 10 guys in a game? Not many. Not, not many. many. And even those that do play, oh, well, they get three minutes Give somebody a breather. That's not the same. That's not the no, same. I'm talking not. about regular rotations. But what I'm saying is that, and you got four new coaches, you know, in the league this year. You have one here in Austin, one at Texas Tech, Oklahoma, Iowa State, and then Bader. They're going to be good again. I saw one preseason poll had them fifth in the nation, but they're not going to be Bader national champion good. And Matthew Meyer put his name in the in for the draft, so he too may leave. So. You know, it, it's a chance for Chris Beard to strike while it's hot and, and make uh, make some noise a lot quicker at Texas than a lot of people would think. So uh, I'd say it's going pretty well so far for Chris Beard. Doug, before we get out of here, I've uh, got to talk a little bit about the Hispanic Titanic. I mean, what oh, the I, hell, man? I was watching I, last night, hoping he crazy. would hit another one. But, Six uh, straight games, Ivan Melendez hit a home run, two off the national record. And duck, I was watching the game on Sunday, and the I felt really bad for the pitcher. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, I just I just felt I was like, he threw the ball up, and it was off the plate, and the guy uh-huh. hits it 450 feet over the 28 foot monster in center field. I'm like, that was not a mistake that he hit. Uh-huh. He hit a he hit a ball that was well out of the zone. And just crushed it. And then he hits one off the top of the video board two innings later. And then finally they intentionally walk him, which was the smartest thing they did all weekend. I'm just like, uh, I, I've never seen a power display that he's like at Texas. 
uh, like he's showing right now. But the little glimpse of it was with Cody Clemens a couple of years in, in he May. Didn't yeah. he hit, hit like, I don't know, 10 in May, something like that. And he was kind of in that similar zone, but he's not built like this guy. I mean, this guy's got true power and uh, he, easy he, power. Easy power, as they say. And you wrote a great column on that. And uh, it made it made me think back to Pete Incavilla from Oklahoma State. He was me probably too. the best, best slugger I ever saw come through here. And Gorilla ball, loved it. Kevin McReynolds from Arkansas may have been the second. They just muscle balls over the wall. And he's hitting for average, too. So he's using the whole field. He's being selective. And speaking of selective, Zach Zubia taking his walks. What a year he's having. So – Texas baseball team, you know, they are playing, they're hitting on all cylinders, and it's good to see. I know they got some of the tough ones, you know, TCU and Oklahoma State and Tech, you know, down near Boston later in the schedule. But, boy, they're sure making hay now, and it's it's fun to watch. I just think that um, this is easily Pierce's best team. Definitely. I mean, David Pierce has a a really, really good team. That team that made it to to Omaha – and went to and Q couldn't hold a candle to what we're watching right now in all phases, solid pitching, uh, clutch hitting. They're selective, uh, drawing walks, um, and they're, and they're getting those bombs, which, yeah. and then I, and I talked to David about this, those, those home runs take so much pressure off your pitching staff. And he, he mentioned, he goes into defense plays better too, because, they know that the runs are not going to be at a premium. So I think I just think that when 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 you're getting offense, everything else falls into place. You know, you're you're not pressing either uh, at the plate or in the field. Uh, I I do wonder about this pitching. It's not the dominant pitching. I don't see. Boy, they, they got five guys that are major leaguers. You know, like no. we see when Gus was here and Augie was here. Uh, you know, you got to love Ty Madden. You know, he's going to be a first round pick. It probably you know, top 50 players, 15 players taken, you know, in J- July draft. So he'll be gone. Tristan Stevens playing great. Kobe Kubitschek a little up and down. Pete Hansen. I like Tanner Witt. He's got a good mixture. He's got a lot of pitchers that are really good that almost seem a little bit the same with one ace. And, uh, boy, you'd love to have that second big ace, whether that's Tristan Stevens or Pete Hansen or who developed. But, uh yeah, it's, it's a team that's capable of, of winning the whole thing because uh, it's more than just hot. It's a good team. It's a really good team. It's, it's a, a great team, team right not, now playing at a high level. Yeah, I don't know if it's a great team, but it, oh. it's a very good team playing very well at the moment. And good for good and good for David. I mean, yeah. he's, this is the team me. he's been waiting on. Augie always said, Duck, um, you got to have four guys – maybe five that you know you could start in a tournament situation, but you got to have two big dogs. You got to have that Friday night. You got to have two guys that you feel good about on Friday night. Exactly. Putting either one of them out there. That's a luxury though to yep. have. And so maybe, maybe one of these guys, uh, Tanner or Tristan Stevens, maybe uh, Colby, maybe they emerge, you know, as, as the number two to tie Madden, but right now they're kind of jumbled up. In, in the same spot. And, uh, you know, we're, we're in April. So there's time for mm-hmm. one of those guys to, to, uh, to get there. But, but I think if, um, if it doesn't happen, uh, that's scary because it puts a lot of pressure on Ty to be on near perfect. 
mm-hmm. in the opener. And, and then a can of worms. Uh, if you've only got one big dog and you're in a regional situation and you're play, you're that number one guy and you're playing that number four team, it's so easy to go. We're not going to start tying this one because we're you supposed to have to save him. You almost have to save him. Yeah. Situation you're in. I remember when, you know, Gus did that all the time. And I remember he had to bring, uh, I think they were either playing Grambling or Texas Southern and they had to bring Greg Swindell out of the bullpen. Like oh seventh, man. Seventh inning and Texas finally won two to one in like 13 innings. So that's scary. Surviving and advancing. Exactly. I just wonder I'm sure David Pierce has to be worried this weekend because uh, Abilene Christian comes to town, and that's never good news for Texas. Too soon, right? Um, I'm going to leave that one alone. <laughs> I'm going to leave that one alone. I, 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 I know some of the readers weren't happy with, with some things that I wrote after that game, but um, I'm sorry I wrote my truth. And uh, I miss Shaka. But I'm excited about Dave. Dave, um, I'm excited about Chris Beer coming in. But yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you do the Abilene Christian jokes this weekend. <laughs> we'll we'll check next week, man. Yeah, let's get out of here. Uh, that that'll do it, uh, friends, for episode two seventeen of On Second Thought. Great conversation all over Josh Wolf. It was fun. Check out Austin FC this weekend on Saturday, five o'clock on Fox, and we will be back next week with more shenanigans on On Second Thought. For The Duck, I'm Cedric Golden. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com. Join Ced and Kirk every Thursday at lunch for a new episode. Archived episodes are available on iTunes and Google Android Play.